on our earth, before writing was invented, before the printing press was invented, poetry flourished. That's why we know that poetry is like bread. It should be shared by all, by scholars and by peasants, by all our vast, incredible, extraordinary family of humanity. That was Pablo Neruda. I'm Bob Holman, and this is the Poetry is Bread podcast, where poetry challenges us, makes us think, and, with imagination and courage, changes the world. Today, we meet two poets whose work brings to light a place that on many maps has no name, a place where poetry flourishes. Join us in conversation with Palestinian poets Naomi Shihab Nye and Mosab Abu Toa and taste poetry is bread. Mosab Abu Toa is a Palestinian poet, short story writer, and essayist from Gaza. He's the author of the recent and astonishing Things You May Find Hidden in My Ear, Poems from Gaza, published by City Lights, which was shortlisted for the 2022 Palestine Book Awards, a book that sees the war zone that is Palestinian daily life with eyes that insist on seeing and poetry that is simple truth. He's the founder of the Edward Said Library, the only English-language library in Palestine. And having studied with Said at Columbia University, all I can say is I think this is one of the few honors that Edward Said would have appreciated. Mosab has three children and lives with his wife in Gaza and recently spent several years— oops, I'm sorry, that was a year and a half has been edited, mainly at Harvard and Syracuse University when he was in the U.S. Naomi Shihab Nye is the greatest. No one carries the spirit of poetry better than she does. No other poet lives poetry in its fullness. No one else wears poetry like she does, always in fashion. Palestinian by birth, I was lucky enough to meet her father when we were filming the United States of Poetry at her ancestral home in San Antonio. And all I can say is, Palestinian-American life is under the grace of the Shihab Nye family here in the U.S. Author of 20 or so books, I often read her to my grandchildren. After all, she won the Neustadt Award for Children's Literature and has been our Young po People's Poets Laureate. You know, you'll never know where you run into Naomi. Last time I saw her, I was riding a bike on Bleecker Street around the corner from the Bowery Poetry Club, and there she was, because Naomi Shihab Nye is a wandering poet, and I'd follow her anywhere. Welcome, Mosab, and welcome, Naomi. <laughs> Bob, that's such a sweet introduction. Thank you from, from me here in San Antonio, Texas. Thank you for welcoming Mosab uh, late at night, all the way from Gaza. We appreciate you. Yeah, that was the most gracious. So listen, when I, I crossed had. into Palestine, wow. Okay, well, I think we should just end this thing right now. What do you say, yes, Ram? I agree with you, Mosab. <laughs> okay, bye. I got to have some poetry here. Come on, folks.
here, here, here's how I'm going to ramp into this thing. When I crossed into Palestine, it felt like I was entering a prison, armed guards, iron gates, checkpoints. Yet life there felt vibrant, and the people I met were not resigned to the conflict that was all around, but were certainly aware of it while the whole place was pulsing with life. Moab, your writing takes us to the street level of life in Palestine, an extraordinary feat. How are you these days? Well, I'm doing fine uh, in terms of my healthy uh, status, but um, I feel imprisoned inside Gaza. I'm unable to leave uh, to attend my visa interview, and maybe this is one of the themes that we can touch on. Um, and I mean, we don't have uh, an airport in Gaza. We don't have a seaport. So I feel I'm, I'm in a great and very big cage, um, whose, whose key is thrown into the sea and this sea, I cannot swim or dive in when, when, when I want, um, but I'm doing fine. My children are fine. My wife is, is fine. Yeah. And we, we, we are just spending our time between between yeah between two wars every couple of years. Between two worlds, absolutely. Why don't you give us a little bit more background on, uh, you know, you were at Syracuse University studying right when the COVID yeah. hit. Um, is have I got that right? Yeah, true. And then you, uh, you know, you. You came back to you. You came back to to Gaza. Why was that? And what happened after you got back? Well, I went back because all my uh, courses were online, and the second semester, uh, I mean, around the beginning of the second semester last year, I came back to Gaza to be with my family uh, because we had a child who was born in America, and my parents and my wife's parents wanted to see that child. So I came back to spend uh, the second semester while I am learning uh, uh, distantly. Um, but just 100 days after my return, I returned in, in, in February 2021. Just 100 days or 102 days after my return to Gaza, uh, Israel launched another uh, uh, series of attacks against civilians in Gaza. Um, I mean, it was a very horrible uh, I mean, several days, uh, 11 days, uh, the lives of many children uh, were taken. Um, Israel used, I think, a new kind of bombs. I mean, even before the <laughs> the bomb fell, you could hear the sound. You could, you could hear the sound of the, the, the warplane hovering over you before it dropped its bombs. And you know what? I mean, it was something like an earthquake. I couldn't, for, I cannot forget till this day, um, the see the, I mean, the scene of a, of a, a grown up man. Uh, I mean, his, his hands were just uh, shattering uh, and, and because he couldn't protect his, uh, his children around him. I mean, in, in the time of war, you want to show that you are strong because your children are in front of you. But but all around me, all the people who were hiding in my place, I mean, they were just, I mean, terrified. You could see death on their faces. Um, I mean, that was a horrible experience and I hope that it, it will not happen again. And, you know, I mean, 
this was not the first kind of war my children experienced, but it was for the first one for my little uh, child who has now an American passport. So what happened that you couldn't return to Syracuse? Well, simply because I had to uh, renew my visa. I understand you had visa problems. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had to renew my visa to uh, re-enter the United States. Uh, But because because simply I am from Gaza and there is no American embassy in Gaza, the only one that we have to go to is in Jerusalem. And in order to go to Jerusalem, you have to apply for uh, a permit uh, to enter Jerusalem because it's under the Israeli control. So I applied a few times and the Israelis didn't allow me to go to Jerusalem. That's the simplest um, reason. I just couldn't go to the American embassy, which is about 70 or 50 miles away from Gaza. So unable to cross the border, you couldn't get a visa, and then you couldn't come back to school, come back to the United States. And you've been there ever since. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that, the stories yeah, that, you tell, believe me, um, yeah. the stories you tell, Mossab, are poems in themselves. Could you just read us a couple of poems so we could get, uh, so we could hear the voice of poetry coming from Palestine? Right. Uh, one of the poems that I like coming to go Gaza. to again and again, yeah, uh, is the is this first poem in my poetry collection. Uh, the, po- the, the poem's title is Palestine AZ, and I would like to read the section uh, of from, from letters Q and R and S and T and U. Q. We were watching a soccer match. Comments and shouts filled the room. The power was cut off, and everything became quiet. We could, we could hear our breathing in the dark. Al-Quds is Arabic for Jerusalem. I have never been to Al-Quds. It, it's around 60 miles from Gaza. People who live 5,000 miles away can move there, while I cannot even visit. R. I was born in November. My mother told me she was walking on the beach with my father. It turned stormy and began to rain. My mother felt pain. And an hour later, she gave birth to me. I love the rain and the sea. The last two things I heard before I came into this horrible world. S. I like to go to the beach and watch the sun as it sinks into the sea. She is going to shine on nicer places, I think to myself. My son's name is Yazan. He was born in 2015 or a year after the 2014 war. This is how we date things. Once he saw a swarm of clouds. He shouted, Dad, some bombs, watch out. He thought the clouds were bomb smoke. Even nature confuses us. Tea. In summer, I drink tea with mint. In winter, I add dried sage. Anyone who visits, even if it's a neighbor knocking at the door to ask how how we are or what the date is, I offer some tea. Offering tea 
is, is like saying marhaba. They once said Palestine will be free tomorrow. When is tomorrow? What is freedom? How long does it last? Okay, that's the first reading. Yes, and, and may I say that when I hear Mossab's poems or when I read them, I hear in their eloquence and their dignity, uh, the voices of the generations. I hear my grandmother who was made a refugee in 1948. I hear my father who immigrated to the United States. I hear you know, the generations of Mossab's parents and, and him and now his children, all these layers of human beings experiencing such insult, such sorrow, for what reason? With just as much uh, human possibility and right to live and enjoy as any of us might dream of in any country. And it just is so stunning to me that Mossab is able to write poems of daily life that also echo this chant of the generations. Uh, to me, he is the quintessential Palestinian voice that, as I say in my note on his book, I feel I was always waiting for all through my life. And uh, I too was privileged to know Dr. Edward Said, and I feel that he would be profoundly moved by the ways that Mossab chooses to make life come alive. Beautifully said, Naomi. You know, we, we of course, have had um, essays in history books. We've had Said, we've had Mom Darwish, you know, that have also given us these words. But something about Mossab's um, work and his vision and the simplicity of the truth that he's telling the way that his his child is seeing the uh, is, is is seeing the bomb smoke in the clouds is cutting through and allows us to hear anew the situation in Palestine and I'm I'm you know if change is to come it's going to come through listening to Mosab's poetry Yes. Uh, Mosab, do you have another another poem that you can read for us? Uh, yeah, I would like to read another poem, uh, the title of which is Us and Them. Us and Them. I want to build my house on a swing. I don't want to walk on this earth. I tell them about houses being shelled, about bodies shred into tiny pieces, about a noisy sky and shaking the ground. And they, they tell me about their concern over the little flowers they haven't watered for hours, over an ailing canary in the cage, over a TV show they will miss tonight. Their ears hurt when they hear sirens but we are made deaf by explosions. Their muscles stiffen with fear on their way to the shelters, while ours are pierced by boiling shrapnel. Thank you, Mossab. It's, uh, 
the connection here isn't great, but you know what we are hearing is the daily life of Palestine, where it's uh, uh, some eight hours uh, ahead of us here, and your children <laughs> and wife as, as they struggle to to put your babies to bed. I guess I don't know what your hours you keep there, but uh, Naomi, does, what do you think about listening in on the daily life? Well, you know, it, it makes me feel as if I'm in the West Bank village where my my city lived, and I feel. So at home, just with the the sounds, the texture of the evening, and uh, and the voices of your beautiful, beautiful children, Mossab. But you know, one thing, Bob, I think is worth mentioning is how somehow, and and you and I love poetry for its intimacy, its directness, the way it doesn't, you know, t- spend too much time chit chatting about all these you know, preludes and explanations and all this excess talk, how poetry has like this beam of light through the very heart of it. And and I'm just amazed how Mossab is able to write about a situation which is highly political based on politics and the inadequacies of political decision for so many people, uh, but he doesn't get lo- He's not. He's not wasting any time in that sort of debate area. He's not pedantic. He's not standing on a pedestal. Uh, he is creating the realm of of the life, and I just love that directness. Yeah, I think it's, it's really a gift. It's a total gift. It's it's as if it were a, just simply a diary of 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 what's going on, and yeah. yet what's going on is the horror, and somehow that becomes so clear to us, you know, in the in its dailiness. Um, I'm remembering when uh, I visited you in San Antonio. We filmed the United States of Poetry with you and and your father. Um, an amazing man. Um, Thank you. I'm hoping that maybe you could read that poem for us that you read for the United States of Poetry. Sure, I would be so happy to. And um, may I also read Mossab's poem, Displaced? You can, but I was going to ask you to read one of his poems after this poem. So okay, now you okay. can just read it directly after. No, this. I'll, I'll just read Because <laughs> next I'm going to, well, just to tell you what's going to go on is I am going to uh, going to, to ask Mosab to read one of your poems after that, just so we can take all of the, uh, yeah. the drama yeah. out of a poetry reading here. Right, that's beautiful. So I'll read my <laughs> poem then. the one that I was so honored to read with my actual father being filmed in it, which touches me very much when I look back at that, at that video, Bob. And uh, it was such a pleasure that that poem went into so many classrooms in the United States. And I heard about it for a long time. Blood. A true Arab knows how to catch a fly in his hands, my father would say. And he'd prove it cupping the buzzer instantly while the host with the swatter stared. In the spring, our palms peeled. True Arabs believed watermelon could heal 50 ways. I changed these to fit the occasion. Years before, a girl knocked 
wanted to see the Arab. I said we didn't have one. After that, my father told more stories. Shihab, shooting star, a good name, borrowed from the sky. Once I said, when we die, we give it back. He said that's what a true Arab would say. Today, the headlines clot in my blood. A Palestinian boy dangles a toy truck on the front page. Homeless fig, this tragedy with a terrible root is too big for us. What flag can we wave? I wave the flag of stone and seed, table mat stitched in blue. I call my father. We talk around the news. It is too much for him. Neither of his two languages can reach it. I drive into the country to find sheep, cows, to plead with the air. Who calls anyone civilized? Where can the crying heart graze? What does a true Arab do now? And actually, I think I think the detail that had happened was it was uh, a terrible bombing uh, by Israel of either Gaza, I, I believe it was of Gaza then too, uh, that caused me to to write that, or maybe it was nearer my grandmother's village in the West Bank where she ended up living. Wow, it's a, it's an incredible poem, and seems to be calling. Uh, for Mossab to appear, you know, when you say, yes. how can we talk around the war? You know, you and yes. your father, you know. And I remember the images of the poem as you read it, Naomi. Uh, I remember the little white girl who was knocking at your door to ask to see the Arab and how that happens twice in the film. One time the door was opening and you see her. The next time, you see her, and the film goes in reverse and closes on yeah. that thinking. It just sometimes of you know what, what the United States of Poetry wanted to do was illuminate the poem with an imagery, the way that we were looking at you talking on the phone, and then just as the camera panned across with with it was in black and white, there was your father right next yes. to you, but it was yeah. uh, you know a fade imagery going on there. And, and, and isn't that what poetry often wants to do, allow us to see someone else in the doorway? Like ah. who is, who's knocking, who's entering? What is that person's life like? And you know, what questions are they asking? Yes, and, um, yes. Yeah. And if, you know, and again, just to get to, to what you can do with digital these days, what a film can do, it's not to replicate that image, but it's to illuminate what the poem is saying. And that's exactly what you you said right there. Well, and you know, by now there have been so many incredible documentaries, short films made out of Gaza that many people have seen seen images of daily life in mm -hmm. Gaza, the beauty, the the preciousness of, you know, a courtyard, a garden, um, a windowsill, a kitchen. If more people can see it and can read about it and feel it as through Mossab's work, uh, maybe they would be more likely to stand up for it and say, hey, wait, I don't want my tax dollars 
doing this to millions of people. Crazy. Yeah. Do you have one of Mossab's poems there that you want to read for us, Naomi? Yes, I would love to read a poem uh, Mossab wrote in memory of Edward Said called Displaced. And this too, to me, speaks of for all the generations. I am neither in nor out. I am in between. I am not part of anything. I am a shadow of something. At best, I am a thing that does not really exist. I am weightless, a speck of time in Gaza. But I will remain where I am. Beautiful. A poem of Mosab Abu Dawes uh, from his, his recent book, Things You May Find Hidden in My Ear, out from City Lights and uh, read by his pal, Naomi Shehev Nye. Um, Mosab, are, you're still there with us, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. I'm enjoying the reading and the, the uh, your experience uh, both together in the United States of poetry. I just like that that naming. <laughs> well, Mosab, do you have a, a poem of Naomi's there that you'd like to yep. uh, yeah. so turn about as fair play? Yeah. I mean, uh, thank you, Naomi, for reading the poem the way you did. I just like it very much. I like hearing you reading it. <laughs> thank you. Um, I would mm. like to read a poem by Naomi. It's my great honor. It's a very, yeah, it's a very short poem by Naomi, and it's one of my favorite poems. Uh, it just speaks to the image that my son thought that he was uh, seeing a, a bomb instead of a cloud. Uh, the title of the poem is Not, No Explosions. To enjoy fireworks, you would have to, to have lived a different kind of life. Again, no explosions. To enjoy fireworks, you would have to have lived a different kind of life. And this, uh, this poem speaks uh, to that image from my poem that I just read when my son thought the, uh, the cloud as the smoke of a bomb. So to enjoy nature, you would have to have not lived out uh, in Gaza. <laughs> Something like this. Wow. Well, that is, that's, that's a wonderful response. And Naomi, you, uh, you once again have given us an image to take with us that for some people, the fireworks are real for Mossab and his children. Those fireworks aren't just spectacles in the sky. Um, Moab, I want to quote something from your uh, from your new book, or um, it's in that incredible interview you did with Amiel Alkale. Um, you say, when I think of poetry, I don't think of Arabic poetry or English poetry or Spanish poetry. No, I think of poetry as an idea not as a rigid form that I need to follow. The word for, para, for poetry in Arabic, shair, doesn't refer to a particular form. It only has to do with feeling. 
Now, both you and Naomi seem to know that feeling. You're able to transmit that feeling. You can cause that feeling, and we can feel that you are feeling that feeling. Uh, could you guys talk about this? What about what in poetry allows us to see these feelings? Mm. Well, I'd love to hear Mossab first. Well, um, I think poetry helps me not only uh, maybe document things that I feel at the moment, but sometimes when I go deep and deep in my thinking, and when I set uh, when when I set my pen to my paper, I just discover at the end of writing that I'm uncovering some hideous images that, that sometimes pop up uh, in my dreams. So it's not only about what I see, but sometimes what's there in my subconscious that I'm unable to reach in, my, in the real world. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling behind the real feeling. Uh, so it helps me understand myself as a human being. And the other part of poetry is not is not just about writing about myself or my family, but it's necessary for me to imagine the, the life or death of other people around me. So for example, uh, in one of my poems titled uh, Shrapnel Looking for Laughter, I try to imagine what happened to a young family, the father and mother and their four children who were uh, killed under the rubble of their house, just a few kilometers away from my house. So I, I was thinking that these the shrapnel not only killed their bodies, but the shrapnel was running after the laughter before the bombing took place. It killed the pronouns in the, their school books. Um, it killed the uh, personas in the poetry books. Uh, on their bookshelves so it's 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 it gives me more space to imagine and feel not only my life to feel about my life but also the lives of others could you read that poem for us please uh mosab yeah th that poem is titled uh, shrapnel looking for laughter it's on page 57 Shrapnel looking for laughter. The house has been bombed. Everything dead. The kids, the parents, the toys, the actors on TV, characters in novels, personas in poetry collections, the I, the he, and the she, no pronouns left. Not even for the kids when they learn parts of speech next year. Shrapnel flies in the dark, looks for the family's peals of laughter hiding behind piles of disfigured walls and bleeding picture frames. The radio no longer speaks. Its batteries have burned. The antenna is broken. Even the broadcaster felt the pain when the radio was hit. Even we, hearing the bomb as it fell, threw ourselves to the ground each of us counting the others around them. We are safe, but our hearts still ache. Wow, that is uh, 
I, there's no words. Naomi, you've been listening here. What's yeah? So, I'm, uh, I'm I'm thinking of, of of a line of Mossab's where he talks about the living room was no longer living. Um, he he carries a kind of a joyous curiosity about the way he describes even things that are so grim. You know, I never feel a whine in his poems. And you and I know that a lot of people like to whine and uh, complain about things. And um, I just feel that there is something so pure about, you know, wanting to be alive, to experience, to have no curtain between, you know, the 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 joy that a human takes in something as simple as living in a living room without a lot of fear when you're at home. Uh, but if you're in Gaza, it's a different story. And I feel that he has uh, an ability to try to see behind things, an impulse, like when he talks about a clock, an old clock, I want to see what's behind its face, he says. The clock doesn't get old. The numbers never change. Only I do. Um, there's this this hunger for what is enduring, for what lives lives on, lives through disaster. Um, it, it's as if, you know, that that clear spring water. I think of his poetry as like you're drinking from the real stream of life. Human beings wanting to enjoy their lives, precious, everyone. And you mentioned, Bob, our mutual friend and definitely a friend of Mossab's book who helped connect him to City Lights books, uh, Amiel Alkali. And we both respect so deeply all the work that Amiel has done with translation and with connecting cultures and you know, giving us all a wider horizon of friends. And so he really does a beautiful interview with Mossab at the end of the book. And I, I just hope this book finds so Buy many the book. friends. Yeah, you gotta have Buy this the book. book. <laughs> Buy the book. <laughs> Things you may find hidden in my ear. Mossab Abu Toa, uh, City Lights. Um, Naomi, you're, you're so brilliant speaking poems about the poetry, uh, about Mossab's clarity, about having a drink from a spring that's a pure spring where you're not going to get dysentery from it. Um, could you read us one of your own poems, which to me are always political, and yet I would not say that there is any necessarily any politics in, in your poems. Um, well, Something that's... that fills that bill. Sure. I'll read one that came, you had mentioned, you know, how we've all been writing through the COVID years, which we're still in. Um, and so this is called One. And it refers to something my friend Khaled Matawa told me about going back to um, his father's memorial. One. And it also has my grandson in it, who is now six. A delivery man pounded the door. The boy said, that shook my bones. Only months ago, before this happened, on the brink, at the edge, I kept saying, something really big and weird is about to happen. No one responded or would say, isn't this weird enough already? 
At his father's funeral in Libya, everyone told Khaled, I Zena Wahad, our grief is one. Under the differences, beyond the many years we did not speak together, Wahad, when the sun sinks low, we will both be watching it, perplexed. I told our boy I had a bad dream. He said, have a new one. Um, you know, I think poetry... Well, I think we all need to, to wake up to a new dream. Oh, now. we do, don't we? I, uh, yeah. I think, you know, we, we cherish the voices of children because they go right to the spring and they yeah. don't mess around in too much explanation or the shallows of boring talk. They go straight to the heart. And I think because we've all had so much isolation in COVID times too, we came to appreciate, you know, every little, every little detail quotes from kids and. Yeah. You know what you do? It's very courageous the way you sling your language around in that poem, uh, Naomi. I don't know that, you know, if, if anybody handed in an assignment of writing a poem and they said something really big and weird, uh, I think that it would come hey, can't you be more specific than that? And the point is that when talking about the way the world is now, the problems simply are big and weird. You know, there's no there's no need to get into any more detail. That says it all. And for you just to, that's, that to me is courage in a poem, is to oh, say hey. something that's big and weird. Yeah. Right at it. Get right at it. Yeah, thanks. You know, um, so Moab, you're you're there, and we're talking about uh, politics and, and 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 the moment there. You know, you reference so many wars and airstrikes and acts of violence in your writing. It's as if you tell time by when the buildings were destroyed, um, and the friends that you lost. You reference Amar and Ezat. So often they it's like they live in your poems. They're everywhere. And they're on the streets, which is how you you know, could you read that poem Palestinian Streets for us? Do you have it there? Okay, Palestinian Streets. My city's streets are nameless. If a Palestinian gets killed by a sniper or a drone, we name the street after them. Children learn their numbers best when they can count how many homes or schools were destroyed, how many mothers and fathers were wounded or thrown into jail. Grown-ups in Palestine only use their IDs so as not to forget who they are. There it is. To name the streets after the people who have died on them. To learn your numbers by counting the buildings that have been destroyed. How about another poem for us, Mossab? Um, I would like to read, um, I would like to return to the first poem in my collection, Palestine AZ. Um, I think um, I will read uh, section P. Um, you just mentioned the, uh, my, my friend Azat. Uh, one of the close friends who I lost in 2014 war. So P, 
A poem is not just words placed on a line. It's a cloth. Mahmoud Darwish wanted to build his home, his exile, from all the words in the world. I weave my poems with my veins. I want to build a poem like a solid home, but hopefully not with my bones. On July 23, 2014, on July 23, 2014, a friend called and said, Izzat was killed. I asked, which Izzat? Izzat, your friend. My phone slipped from my hand. I, I, and I began to run, not knowing where. You're not going to read the last part of P for us? Yeah. I hate to be a nag. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's your name? Mus'ab. Where are you from? Palestine. What's your mother tongue? Arabic, but she is sick. What the color of your skin? There is not enough light to help me see. Listen, these ABCs definitely are ABCs for all of us to learn. They're, I love, it's, it's like a, a little puzzle where you have to dig into these, they're paragraphs, um, prose poetry here, that uh, you dig in to find which letter, where, where is the Q in that, in that and where is the P? <laughs> yeah, right. where, where, how yeah. come you have to wait all the way to get to rain to have, and sometimes I'm thinking, well, you put mother and father in there. Are you going to read like Arabic from the right to the left and have the R be the last letter of mother? I don't know. Anyway, it really takes you around formally <laughs> while in the heart It's touching you with the absolute knowledge of, uh, of, 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 the, of life in, in Gaza, you know. Can, hey, Moab, tell us about this library that you've started, the Edward Said Library. Um, it's such a utopian idea there in the middle of a war zone to have an English-speaking li library. W where is it located? What kind of building is it in? How is it used? How often are you there? Well, I mean, I'm, the funny thing is that I was building the library without realizing that what is what, what, what a library is. I mean, I was I started collecting books following 2014 uh, uh, war on Gaza. Uh, I was trying to rebuild my a small uh, book collection. Our house uh, was partially uh, destroyed by an Israeli airstrike. Uh, so I, my friends started sending me books uh, to make up for the lost collection. And over time, I collected around 400 books in my, in my small house. And it occurred to me and asked myself, why not uh, asking uh, for more books and then ask uh, fundraising, going uh, on a fundraiser, Uh, to rent a place and build something like a small library. And it happened that I collected over 600 books and around $15,000. I rented a small place with, uh, with the help of a friend here in Gaza. Um, I mean, maybe you will, you will get surprised uh, when I, if I say that now we have two branches of this library, one in the north of Gaza where I live, <laughs> 
and another branch in Gaza City where I, I dare say hundreds of children visit the library every week. Uh, the library not only uh, offers books uh, to the kids and adults, but also it uh, organizes some kind of cultural activities, something like book club, um, writing clubs. We give courses for free uh, to the children. Uh, so now we are uh, giving uh, an art course. We teach the children to draw with pencils. We have around 15 child, 15 children uh, learning how to draw with a pencil. And uh, after that, we are aiming uh, to move uh, to a bigger audience. Um, so it's, it's, it's improving, it's developing itself over time. I mean, despite the COVID-19 crisis all over the world, despite the, uh, the shortage, the shortage in funding, but we are managing, we are trying to, to reach out to the uh, local community and invite them to use the library, whether it's activities or it's books. Thank you, Naomi. Thank you, Mossab. Thank both of you for a wonderful podcast. For us to, uh, to conclude here, I don't know any better way than to have each of you read a a, a poem for us. Um, some it could be something that you've written out, just something that you feel in the moment here. Poetry in the moment. Mosab, would you like to read first? Okay, I would like to read um, a poem titled "What Is Home." Um, what is home? It is the shade of trees on my way to school before they were uprooted. It is my grandparents' black and white wedding photo before the walls crumbled. It is my uncle's prayer rug where dozens of ants slept on wintry nights before it was looted and put in a museum. It is the oven my mother used to bake bread and roasted chicken before a bomb reduced our house to ashes. It is the cafe where I watched football matches and played. My child stops me. Can a four-letter word hold all of these? Thank you. Thank you very much, Mossab. Naomi? Thank you, Mossab. I read my poem for you, Mossab, who give us a window into Gaza. And for you, Bob, who have given us a window into poetry for so many years. It's called window. And it also has a four letter word that it's around. Hope makes itself every day, springs up from the tiniest places. No one gives it to us. We just notice it, quiet in the small moment. The two-year-old kissing the window, he said, because someone he loved was out there. Beautiful. Beautiful from both of you. From, uh, from home to hope. And uh, Mossab, I will never again say the name of this podcast without thinking of the oven that your mother used to bake bread before it was bombed. Because poetry is bread. And to have the voice of uh, poetry, the voice of Palestine, speak to us today 
has been a great privilege. So for Naomi Shihab Nye and Mosab Abu Toa, please take our great love with you in your in the one world that you live in and the very different worlds that you live in. I'm Bob Holman, and thank you for listening to Poetry is Bread. Subscribe to our podcast to get notifications of new episodes or check us out at BoweryPoetry.com. The podcast is co-produced by Ram Devanini and Flavia Roja with Rataplax. Podcast series is funded by the Citizen Diplomacy Action Fund, which is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State with fundings provided by the U.S. government and implemented by Global Ties U.S. in partnership with the Office of Alumni Affairs and the Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs. Additional support from New York State Council on the Arts, Governor of New York State Kathy Hochul, and the New York State Legislature. See ya.